Anyway, praise the Lord. Praise God. I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about the love of God. And we've been singing about it this morning. And I appreciate uh, uh, our worship team, you know, being led of the Spirit because I didn't say anything to them about it. And uh, matter of fact, I, you know, I, I didn't really hadn't decided on what I was preaching until long after they had prepared the worship. But uh, uh, I want to talk to you about the love of God. And this is uh, February, of course, the love month. And this week, on Tuesday, we celebrate Valentine's Day. Amen. And on Valentine's Day, we, uh, we get to go to a wedding. You know, uh, Bill and Sharon's son, David, is getting married. And, and, and uh, I've been invited to go and, and participate. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. You know, this is two older folks that have found love. <laughs> and they found each other. And, uh, and uh, you know, one of those miracles of God. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a great time. And I'm not one of these people who, who uh, uh, goes around speaking evil of Valentine's Day. Uh, you know, St. Valentine was a real person, and he was, he was a person that God used greatly uh, in his day, and he was a great evangelist, and, and, uh, and, and he really impacted his country. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and was, was someone who spread love. He spread the love of God around. And, of course, you know, the, the uh, commercial, uh, commercialization of it has kind of gotten out of hand. And, you know, people selling flowers and cards and candies. And a lot of businesses, you know, they, they, make, they make their their biggest profits, you know, off of, off of something that everybody, everybody's interested in, and that's love. Well, do you know that God is interested in love? In matter of fact, God demands it. It is one of his commands that we love one another. And the reason for that is God himself is love. And, uh, you know, we were singing about, you know, uh, knowing the Lord just a few minutes ago, we were talking, we were singing about knowing the Lord. And do you know that God, God wants us to know Him? One, one of the, the main purposes of history has been that, that God is, is trying to reveal Himself to humanity. He wants people to know Him. And there's something in every man and woman and boy and girl that wants to know God. And people, you know, we talk about it in different ways. We talk about that God-shaped void in every person's heart. And that people try to fill that void with all kinds of things. And it never satisfies. It's because there's only one thing that will satisfy your soul. And that's to know God. And to know Him is to love Him. Because He is love. And when you, come, when you come to a, a knowledge of his love, 
That's what saves you. That's what causes you to, be, to become a new creature when you realize there, was, there is someone who cares about you and loves you so much that he would lay down his life for you. And we know that God has manifested his love in that he sent forth his son to die for us. Amen? So, the, so in 1 John chapter 4, starting with verse 7, we find out that, uh, that this command to love is because of who God is. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. The word of there is a, is a, is a term that speaks of, of uh, origin. Love is derived from God. Love, God is love's source. And they, therefore, we're to love one another because God is the source of love. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. You want to know God? Be a lover. People who say they know God but they're not loving, they are lying. Religion is a lie because religion is mean to people. Religion hurts people. Religion enslaves people. Religion condemns people and holds them in, in, uh, in guilt and shame. But God liberates people. God releases people. God sets people free. God lifts people up. God's a lover. And if you're going to go around saying, I know God, then you're going to be a lover and a lifter of people. You're going to be kind to people. You're going to be generous towards people because God is. And you're going to manifest the, the, the loving aspect of who God is. He that loveth not knoweth not God. There it is. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He paid the penalty for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. One of the greatest oughts in Scripture is that we ought to love one another. Amen? Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I ought to love you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And since I oughta, I'm gonna. Amen. Since I oughta, I'm gonna. Say that. Since I oughta, I'm gonna. Amen. The Scripture tells us that, that God... Everything that God does, He does because of His love. The love of God is the great motivator of God. Look in Zephaniah 3, 17. Yes, Zephaniah, that's in the Old Testament. I didn't say Zechariah, I said Zephaniah. You might have to look in your... In your, in your um, index and find the page number but i want you to see zephaniah 317 we're going to put it up here on the screen as well the lord thy god 
Oh, doesn't that sound great? I have a God. I told my Muslim friend that waited on us this morning at breakfast, I, I said, you know, he's a Muslim, and, I, I, you know, we were talking about it's who you know and people of influence and things like that. He's talking about he's related to some high-ranking general in the Bangladesh Army, and, and he, because he dropped that general's name, you know, he got special favors and whatever. And when he got finished, he started to walk away, and I said, well, you know, I have God's ear, so anytime you need anything, just let me know, and I'll talk to him for you. The Lord thy God. That's a possessive term. That's ownership. How many of you take ownership of God? The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Oh, we, we, there's a song that was made out of this. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, is mighty. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will save, it said. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. Don't you see the eagerness of God to manifest his mighty power in your circumstances, in your life? God joys and rejoices over every opportunity to show how big he is on your behalf. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You see, God works through his love, not around it, not be beside it, not in spite of it, but he works through his love. Everything God does, is he does it because he loves you. You don't even have to question it. God, why are you doing this? I, I've heard people, I, I just don't know why God sent Jesus to the cross and died for me. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. He said it. For God so loved the world. <laughs> he works through his love. Everything we receive from God, it's because he loves us. It isn't because you deserve it. How many of you know by now you don't deserve it? You, don't, you didn't earn it. There's nothing you can do. There's really nothing you can do to merit God's love. God loves you because that's who he is. God loves you because that's what he, what he is. God loves you because that's what he does. Why did, God, why, did, why did God bless brother so-and-so? Well, he loves him. Obviously, God loves him. You ever wonder why God just keeps bailing some people out, just keeps blessing people in spite of their behavior? And have you ever wondered why some people, you know, just seem to get, just get they, they continue to uh, operate in God's grace and mercy? It's because he loves them. You need to quit asking those kinds of questions because the answer is obvious. God loves them. Well, why would God do something for me? Because he loves me too. And I got news for you. He loves you. And he is doing stuff for you. I, I get deeply moved many times in my life when I see what God has done for me. 
when I see how God's blessed me. When, when I consider the wife he gave me, when I consider the friends I have, when I consider the opportunities he's given me, I think, wow. And it may sound conceited or egotistical, but I'm telling you, folks, God really loves me. <laughs> he, re he shows it. And he loves you. There is a scripture, uh, I don't have it handy, but it says God is no respecter of persons. You know what that means? That means he loves you as much as he loves me. He loves you as much as he loved Papa Dorn, Don Norman, or any of those other people that we consider saints of God. He loves you as much. He does. And his, his love works. It works. Then we find in Galatians chapter 5 that, that faith works by love. Faith works by love. You see, people, you know, they, they're always talking about faith. And, and I, I, I know that, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the, the 80s and 90s, there was this great faith emphasis. And uh, churches started popping up all over the, all over the world called Word of Faith Churches. And, uh, and people were preaching on faith and teaching on faith. And, and people even published Bibles, you know, that had all kinds of sermon notes in them about faith. And uh, some great teachers that God raised up, great teachers, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen, T.L. Osborne. Uh, I could go on and on and on that, that, uh, that taught faith principles. I know that, you know, in a huge part of the world, in the religious world, they speak of those people I just named as heretics. And they speak of them as false teachers and all of that. Well, don't pay attention to those people. They're not operating in love. You see, if you're loving your brother, you're not going to call him a heretic. What if he is a heretic? Let the Lord handle him. Let the Lord handle him. But see, people get jealous of people because they do well. People are always, they're always bad-mouthing Joel Osteen. You know, he's got, he's got the fastest-growing, biggest church in the United States of America. And all the man does, he gets on TV and he just loves on people. He just loves on people. And they think he's a false preacher and a false teacher because he won't condemn people. And they act like that, uh, you know, he doesn't do, he doesn't ever teach anything. He doesn't ever teach the Bible, whatever. Listen, folks, when you're on TV, you're talking to a sinful world. He's throwing out nets. He's fishing for souls. Turn those TV cameras off, and he's telling people, live right, do right, pay your tithes, give God his due. And, I mean, they, he, they, they do have discipleship in that church. Does he do everything right? No, he doesn't do everything right, and neither do you. Yeah, I know somebody asked him, you know, do you think there's more than one way to, to God and all that kind of stuff? And he kind of waffled there. Did you ever waffle on anything?
Yeah. One of your best friends is Aunt Jemima. You, some of you have waffled so much, you know, you, you just got syrup falling you everywhere. <laughs> Excuse me. But they, they, they like to condemn somebody. You know, why, you know why most preachers condemn Joel Osteen? They're flat out jealous of him. They're just jealous of him. Amen. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland, a billionaire. That's why they don't like him. None of those people took any money from anybody. None of, none of them take money from people. People give them money. Somebody criticized Jesse Duplantis because he built a 50,000 square foot house for his wife. I said 50,000 square foot. He built a palace. And then he turned right around and bought him a new jet airplane. Several million dollars there. And people criticized him. I mean, they, you know, the press just had a heyday criticizing this guy. And so they came to town and they interviewed some of his church members. Some of the people, you know, that he took their money and built that house. He took their money and bought that jet. And they, they're interviewing one of these ladies, you know, on the street and said, you know, do you, you know, what do you think about Jesse living in a house, you know, 50,000 square foot house? She says, well, he's had us over there many, many times. He entertains us. He has guests that stay there. And he uses that house for the ministry. He uses that jet airplane to go all over the world and preach the gospel. And I'm proud of him. He's my pastor. And I give to him willingly. He never came and took any money from me. I gave it to him voluntarily. Boy, they cut her off, you know. But it was too late. You see, if they were taking it, they'd be in jail today. But people give it to them. Why do they give it to them? Because they believe in them. I'm just praying that more people will believe in me. Amen. Not that I'll have a 50,000 square foot house because Ruth would kill herself. Just cleaning the toilets. But I'm telling you, God loves Jesse Duplantis. God loves Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland bought him. He finally, you know, he, he would buy and sell used airplanes, you know. And people would give him airplanes, and he's given as many airplanes away. as. But he's always been a pilot. Even before he got saved, he was a pilot. He flew, for the, he flew planes for the governor of Arkansas. He was the governor's pilot. And then when he got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, he went off to Bible school. He went to Old Roberts University. And Old Roberts found out that he could fly planes. And so Old Roberts had Kenneth Copeland to fly his airplane. And, but he's always flying other people's airplanes, you know. And eventually he got his own. And, and he flies all over the world, all over the world. He's all constantly going. And he's, he's his own pilot. Well, one day he, he, uh, he bought a brand new jet airplane right off the showroom floor. And he was standing there in the hangar as they delivered his new airplane. And as they're bringing that new airplane into the hangar, he heard God say, thank you. He said, Lord, I should be thanking you. Why are you thanking me? And God says, it's about time one of my sons 
had a new airplane. He said, I'm tired of the Hollywood types and the gangsters and the mobsters and the, and the, and, and the Muslims and the false religions and all the having their new airplane. It's about time one of my kids had a new airplane. And God was blessed. Well, why, did God, why does God bless people like that? Because he loves them. And, I just, and they had the faith to believe for it, and they were obedient unto faith. You see, faith works by love. You cannot tell Jesse DePlantis or Joel Osteen or Kenneth Copeland or any of those crooks. You will never convince them that God doesn't love them. If the devil were to go to one of those individuals and say, you know, God doesn't love you, they would laugh him off the planet. And that's exactly what you should do. I'm not lifting these people up above you. I'm not saying that God loves them more than he loves you. God will do for you what he's done for others if you allow your faith to rest in the fact that he loves you. Faith is not something you manipulate God with. People try. They use faith like a, a wand, a magic wand, and they try to manipulate God. You know, by giving, you know, well, Lord, I gave, so you owe me. How many of you know God don't owe you anything? God never did another thing for you. He's already blessed you uh, beyond your beyond your level of worthiness. But see, your faith doesn't rest in your works. Your faith rests in His love. Jesus loves me. This I know. That needs to be the song you sing until you believe it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Stand in front of your mirror and say, hey, you, Jesus loves you. And you say it, and then let your faith rest in that. And you'll see God begin to move in your life in a mightier way because the Lord, your God, works through love. And if your faith will rest in that love, then God will work in his mighty ways on your behalf. Amen. Galatians 5, 5 says, Though the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision but faith which worketh by love. Now, when he says circumcision and uncircumcision, he's talking about religious, religious behavior does not avail anything. Only faith that works by love. The Amplified, Galatians 5, 6, listen to it in the Amplified, because it amplifies it. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. That's the only thing that avails. 
faith that's activated, energized, expressed, and working through love. Isn't that good? Amen. Well, then in Ephesians 2, 4, we find that mercy is revealed in His love. God's mercy is revealed in His love. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. This is familiar to, to, to all you Baptists out there. By grace you are saved. How many of you agree? We're saved by grace. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, those of you who believe you're saved by grace, do you believe the next part? Do you believe that you've been raised up and elevated and exalted to the very right hand of God? Do you believe that you are now, not in the future, but in Christ Jesus, you are now seated at the right hand of the Father? Amen. Do you believe that? I know you believe by grace you're saved, but do you believe the rest of this? See, that's the problem I have with a lot of folks is they don't read the whole thing. Listen to what he says. For this purpose, or so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding poverty. Oh, excuse me. The, my printing here got cut off. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God has loved you all the way to heaven's throne. He picked you up out of the miry clay and lifted you up. And he didn't just leave you there, but he took you all the way And he's going to spend the ages to come showing you how much he loves you. You think you know now. I wonder, you know, often I wonder what they're doing up there. <laughs> Sometimes I just lie in my bed thinking about, I wonder what they're doing right now. And then I try to imagine my dad, you know, I wonder what my dad's doing right now. I can't imagine it. I can imagine, I, I can imagine Papa Dorn and Don Normand when they got together, because I saw them together once. It was funny. It was hilarious. It was at John and Mandy Reels' house. I had to separate them. I had to put one of them in the living room and one of them in the den because 
they were just too much for one room. I mean, characters. Now they're in heaven without any restraints. <laughs> without even the possibility of sin. So they're, they're, you know, I, they've come full bloom. Full bloom personalities. I can't imagine. Can't imagine it. But God, God has said here in His Word, He's going to spend eternity Showing us how much he loves us. See, there's a scripture that says, I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. <laughs> you got to, listen, you got to get there to find out. You really want to know how much God loves you? And it's going to take forever to find out let's look at the attributes of God's love see there's all kinds of love there's there's family love there's animal love there's lust that often people mistake to be love people falling in love all the time they're falling into lust is what's happening I'm one of the I'm one of these people that I don't believe in falling in love I believe love is a decision you make. And when you decide you're going to love somebody, you, you vow to them. You vow your love to them. You give your word to them. And you never break it. Love is, love is a sober decision. It's not a drunken feeling. <sighs> Come on, people. We're, we're Christians here. You don't fall in love. Well, I fell in love. No, you're probably just into lust. I mean, I mean that, that young and that handsome, that beautiful, you know, I mean, that just turned you on. But as time passes and the wrinkles came and the hair fell out and all that stuff and the teeth fell out, whatever, then you begin to realize you, then you begin to realize you love that person. <laughs> Amen. You might have got together just flat out out of sin. But as God entered into the situation, God converted you. And he converted your relationship from, from, from a lower form of love to a higher form of love. Amen? Here's what it looks like. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. First Corinthians, let's start with 1 Corinthians 12, 31. Earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces the higher gifts, and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way. Everybody say excellent way. One that is better by far and the highest of them all, love. Love is better by far and the highest of them all. 1 Corinthians 13, If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, 
And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. You see, I, there, there have been many times in my life I have coveted and sought after prophetic powers and supernatural wisdom and understanding and faith that could move mountains. Those aren't evil. Though it's not wrong to speak in the language of men and angels. It's not wrong to move mountains with your faith. But he's saying if you don't have love, you're just a bunch of noise. I know some preachers that are just noise. They remind me of all those tin cans that are tied to the bumper of a car when this couple gets hitched, you know, and they're going down the road and, and uh, honking their horns and those cans are just rattling behind the car. Just a bunch of noise. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to be just noise. I want, I want to be a person of substance. If I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, that's, that's Christian behavior. And we've done it. Over these last two or three years with COVID, we've given, we've given to many people all over the world who were starving. We couldn't go ourselves. We couldn't do what we normally do. So we, we sent money to buy bags of rice and beans. And we provided for people in India and Pakistan and Burma and Central America. I mean, we, we believe in feeding the poor. And we do it here. He says, if I surrender my body to be burned, or in order that I may glory but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. You see, you can do all of that, but if... if you're not doing it in love, there's no profit in it. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. You see, I, it doesn't bother me that Copeland flies a new jet. He went down after his 86th birthday. He went down for his flight examination, his pilot's examination. You see, those pilots, they have to pass an examination in order to have a license to fly. 86 years old, he went down and took his exam and aced it. And they issued him a new license, and it'll be good until he's uh, past 100. I'm not jealous. I'm inspired. Joel Osteen, you know, he, write, he writes a book and he makes, he, he instantly sells millions of copies of that book. And that's why he's rich because he's got such a big audience whenever he puts out a new book, he sells millions of copies of it. He doesn't even take a salary from that church. Doesn't need to. There wouldn't be anything wrong with him taking a salary from that church. But because his books are so popular and sell so well, he doesn't have to. 
and he gives more than everybody in this room put together times a thousand. Nobody ever talks about that. Nobody ever talks about the fact that Kenneth Copeland in the last 10 years has given a billion dollars to needy causes. They don't talk about that. It's because they're jealous. Well, see, love is not jealous. It doesn't bother me. And besides, if, if they do anything wrong with it, they don't answer to me. They answer to the judge. So it's not my problem. What I like about all these guys is they tell everybody they can live in that, they, they can live blessed too. They don't say I'm the only one worthy. You know what I'm saying? And they don't go around preaching to people that it's, that it's a sin for you to be blessed by God who loves you. Come on. Religion wants to take all the money away from you and, and spend it on, on their, their, their golden-laced appointments in their cathedrals and let you live in poverty and tell you that you are a sinner and you should feel guilty about your life and you should come to us once in a while and pay us to ask God to forgive you. That's religion. Jesus liberates. He says, you're all my brothers. I'm not ashamed of any one of you. You're my brethren. And I'll confess your name before the Father, and the Father will receive you like he receives me, and he's going to love on you like he loves on me. That's what Jesus says. <laughs> Amen. Love endures along, along and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, even in a restaurant. I've seen some Christians in restaurants, and I wanted to crawl under the table. The way they treat the server. <sighs> you see, it, it, love is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy. Or fretful. Or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. I, I, had, I had one person tell me, you're so stupid, you don't even know when you've been insulted. They actually told me that. I said, wait a minute. Is that an insult? <laughs> I, I think I've been insulted. <laughs> it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Oh, people. Would to God we could live in this love. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Even if you suffered a real wrong, it, you don't pay any attention to it. It's, oh, it's okay. I had a friend, you know, he lived his life this way. He, 
people would say, you know, they did you wrong. He said, oh, it's no big thing. That was his answer. Oh, it's no big thing. <laughs> it's only big if you make it big. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances. And it endures everything without weakening. Now, I'll tell you what, that, that verse right there has got some, it's got some alls and everythings in it. The love of God bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, all circumstances. And it endures most things. No, everything without weakening. Now, why did I read this? I'm reading this because it describes the love that you possess. This is a description of the love that is in you. Oh, Pastor, I don't believe I have that in me. Oh, yeah. The Bible says you do. Romans chapter 5. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5, 5, 5. Romans double nickel. Remember when the speed limit was 55? This is, why did they do that? So you'd be safe. <laughs> Conserve fuel. Romans 5, 5 says, hope maketh not ashamed. I'll, I'll come back to that. Hope maketh not ashamed. Because the, the love of God, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. I I look that phrase up, and what it literally means is God's love has been poured out into your heart until it's flushed out everything that is not love, and it has permeated and filled every corner and crevice of your life. It doesn't say he's going to do it. It says he did it already. The moment you believed on Jesus, the moment you were born again, God poured his love out into your heart. Now look back at that, uh, that little phrase, hope maketh not ashamed. Hope is expectation. Hope is expectation that is based on something concrete. Hope is not when you, when you expect something but you have no reason to expect it. Hope is when you expect something and it's got substance. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, right? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. There's, a, there's substance to hope. Hope believes what God said is true. And he says this hope maketh not ashamed. The word ashamed there means to disappoint. So your expectation, your hope, 
Your hope in God does not disappoint. You'll never be disappointed if you hope in God. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Because you're convinced. Your hope, your expectations will not be disappointed because you're convinced of God's love for you. We're not hopeless, people. We're hopeful. And we're not hoping in thin air. We're hoping in God. And we have a reason to hope in God because we know He loves us. How do we know? Because He's filled our heart with that, uh, that, uh, that knowledge. My heart knows that God loves me. My heart knows it. I'm not talking about the, the blood pump, as Jimmy says. I'm talking about my inner core being knows God loves me. My head can argue with it. My circumstances could deny it. But my heart knows God loves me. And therefore, I know that I will not be disappointed in my expectation of God. He will show himself mighty on my behalf. He will rescue me. He will deliver me in the time of trouble. He will save. He will cause me to rejoice. Amen? Oh, this is good stuff. Amen? You know what I mean, Vern? This is good stuff. This is... I preach myself happy. I'm, I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to walk out of here thinking about the love of God. And meditate with me on the love of God. Amen.